Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast with Kevin Harrington and Seth Green. Kevin Harrington is the inventor of the infomercial, one of the original sharks from the hit TV show Shark Tank, and has generated over $5 billion in TV and digital direct response sales. Seth Green is the world's first trusted authority on cutting-edge direct response marketing, a best-selling author, and the only three-time Marketer of the Year nominee. On the podcast, Kevin and Seth interview sharkpreneurs who share straight talk on what it takes to explode your business. Do you want to become insanely successful? Do you want to be the go-to guru in your industry? Do you want to be talked about for all the right reasons? For over 40 years, Kevin Harrington has helped people just like you become significant influencers. Now he's broken the process down in the key person of influence roadmap, and it's yours for free. Just text KPI to him at 727-888-2100. Text KPI to 727-888-2100 right now and claim your free step-by-step guide. Text KPI to 727-888-2100 to get the recognition you deserve and experience the success as the go-to voice everyone listens to in your industry today. Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast. This is your co-host, Seth Green. Today, I've got the good fortune to be joined by longtime friend, David Meerman Scott, author of The New Rules of Marketing and PR, and the new best-selling author of Fanocracy, Turning Fans into Customers and Customers into Fans, forward by Tony Robbins, co-authored with his daughter, um, which we'll talk about in just a minute. David, thank you so much for joining us. Seth, great to be here. I really appreciate you having me on, my friend. Of course. And full disclosure, full transparency, I, we originally met at an EO event that you were speaking at seven years ago where, where I drove you to the airport because Uber didn't exist then. I, that's exactly right. It, doesn't, it kind of ages us, doesn't it? <laughs> it, it was like the year my third, do- my third child was born. So that's how yeah. I remember when it was. Wow. I know. It's funny how you remember things like that. So um, I don't know how I can live without Uber these days. I was going to say that was the second best ride to the airport I've ever given. So oh, uh, it's obviously uh, obviously poses a question about the first. Well, that was Kevin a couple hours before you. Oh, nice. <laughs> All right. But we're not here to talk about me. We're here to talk about you in the new book, Fanocracy, Turning Fans into Customers and Customers and Fans. You obviously already had an immense amount of success with the new rules of marketing and PR. What inspired you to write Fanocracy? So I was thinking about the new rules of marketing and PR, um, arguably the most popular book about um, online marketing on the planet. Um, now in the sixth edition. And I was thinking to myself, so many people have doubled down on this idea in negative ways. There's so many um, organizations that are abusing the online marketing channel. There's so many organizations that are just pushing um, um, just bad marketing out there. You're seeing it too, I'm sure. And I'm thinking to myself, what are good marketers doing? What, what is the next thing that's coming out there? And I kept going back to the idea that I, I'm just a massive, passionate fan of some things that I love. I love live music, especially the Grateful Dead. You can see yes. the Grateful Dead logo behind me. I've been to 75 Grateful Dead concerts. I've been to 804 live concerts in my life. I keep a spreadsheet. Um, and I, <laughs> You were probably I, one uh, of the few people who has a spreadsheet. I mean, who has a spreadsheet. So that speaks it's volumes pretty, to your organization it's and it's analness. Pretty, it's pretty geeky. And I that know, is how but, detailed the book is, folks. There's a spreadsheet. <laughs> pretty, pretty geeky. So um, I've been talking, I was talking to my daughter about this five years ago. And 
And I'm like, Reiko, it's like crazy that I'm such a live music fan. It's such an important part of my life. And she said, you know, me too, daddy. And, And I knew this, but, you know, not only has she read every Harry Potter book, seen every Harry Potter movie multiple times, yep. gone to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter theme park in Orlando twice, gone to London to go on the studio tour, but she wrote an 85,000 word alternative ending to the Harry Potter series where Draco Malfoy is a spy for the Order of the Phoenix and put that on Ooh, a fan fiction site. How do I get a copy? All my kids are obsessed with Harry Potter. How do I get a copy shoot, of shoot that me, book? Shoot me a, a reminder and I'll send you a link to it. That'd be and, awesome. and she put that on a fan fiction site. It's been downloaded thousands of times and commented on hundreds of times. Um, And so we decided we're both really geeky fans. And I kept asking her questions like what, and she's now 27. But when we first started this project, she was about 21 said, um, you know, what would a millennial think about this? And what does a woman think about this? And you know, how does Harry Potter fandom work? And and finally, I'm like, don't be an idiot, you know, bring her in. So we decide to co-write, co-research and co-write fanocracy. And that was a smart move on my part because she's a better writer than me. <laughs> you won't tell anybody. <laughs> and, and, <I'll, laughs> and anyone who reads it can see that because we, we share who wrote what chapter. It says by Reiko or by yes. David. Uh, and then the other thing is that she's a neuroscientist. She graduated with a neuroscience degree from Columbia University. She's now in her final year of medical school. So um, we came at this idea of fandom from the perspective of um, neuroscience and what's going on in our brains, among other things, but um, things that I could never have done if I had written it alone. Got it. So awesome journey, incredible book. Uh, It's got some rules for turning your fans into customers and getting your customers to be raving fans. So for our business owners and entrepreneurs watching and listening to this, let's talk about how this applies to them. We're not going to give away the story. You have to go get the book. However, let's share with them a couple of the principles in terms of how they can get their customers to love them more and how they can get those fans to become customers who aren't yet. Absolutely. So um, let me start with a story. So many people say to me, David, it's obvious, you know, Harry Potter, Grateful Dead has fans, but I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a business owner. I, you know, I'm a doctor. I'm a dentist. I run um, uh, an auto dealer, you know, whatever it is, I I can't build fans. And the truth is we researched this idea and there we found examples of every type of business imaginable that has fans. Um, My favorite example is um, an auto insurance agency that has literally millions of fans. You can't get any plain, more plain you vanilla, commoditized more than that. You can't get any more generic Exactly. And um, so I was talking to Mikhail Haggerty, who's the entrepreneurial owner of Haggerty Insurance. And he said, David, you know, I'm in a business everyone hates. Everybody hates auto insurance. Nobody likes to buy it. And furthermore, no one ever wants to use the product because it means you sold, you broke your car, you crashed your car. And so he said, I can't, I couldn't build my business the way every other insurance company did because I didn't want to become the low cost provider. I also didn't want to spend more money on advertising than everybody else. So I focused on developing fans. And so what he specifically did was he and his team go to, uh, and they do classic car auto insurance. That's what their specialty is. So he and his team go to over a hundred classic car auto events a year around North America. They set up a booth, they provide educational seminars. They're meeting with people who are already fans 
of classic cars. They have a YouTube channel providing education. The YouTube channel has over a million subscribers, which I mean, is an auto insurance company. They have a Haggerty Drivers Club, 600,000 members, a place that people can interact with other lovers of classic cars. And they are now the largest classic car insurance company in the entire world. And they built that completely on the idea of fans and growing fans of their business. So um, what's cool about this for everyone who's listening in your audience is that, you know, don't make the excuse that my business doesn't lend itself to fandom because we found examples of all kinds of organizations. I'll share one more of those. You know, there's, there's a U.S. government agency that has over 50 million fans, a U.S. government agency that you can be walking down the street in any city in the world and not be surprised to see, see somebody wearing a T-shirt with the logo of this U.S. government agency. You can be walking down the street in Europe, in Asia, in Australia, in Africa, and if there's somebody walking towards you with a NASA T-shirt on, you're not surprised. So even a U.S. government agency, even an auto insurance company can build fans. And um, everybody who's listening into this right now can build fans. Okay, so those are incredible case studies. Obviously, the car insurance company is easier and more relatable for our folks to grasp than putting men on the moon and having astronauts that everyone watches. So let's talk about some of the ways a regular quote-unquote business could do this. So the classic car company... Let's break down some of the principles. They went to where their target market was hanging out. Yeah, and let's talk about that because that's one of the most important concepts in the book is um, I mentioned um, at the top that Reiko, my co-author and daughter, is a neuroscientist. We wanted to find out what's going on in our brain when we become a fan of something. And so we spoke with a number of different neuroscientists about this to really get at the heart of what's going on when we become a fan of something. And it turns out that we humans are hardwired. It's non-negotiable. We humans are hardwired to want to be a part of a tribe of people. And this, the reason for this is because we... Um, are safe and secure when we're with like-minded people. This goes back tens of thousands of years in human history because when when you're with your tribe, you're safe, you're comfortable, you're going to live another day. And when you're not with your tribe, you're in danger. And that is still true of our brains today. We can't help it. There's another neuroscientist, his name is Edward T. Hall, who identified different levels of how close you are to people to help to even further uh, create predictions for how you can develop people to be part of your tribe. And he identified further than 12 feet away is called public space. And we humans' brains don't track people who are that uh, far away from us. We know they're there, but we don't yet track them. Inside of 12 feet, however, we begin to track those people. Between 12 feet and four feet is called social space. In social space... Um, We need to know, are the people in our social space friends, part of our tribe, 
or potential enemies, people we don't know. So when you walk into a crowded room, you scan immediately. You don't even you're, you don't even know your brain is doing it. You scan the room, people who are closer than 12 feet to find out who's part of my tribe. If you find somebody, you're really comfortable and happy. If you get into a crowded elevator and you don't know anybody, you can feel a real negative reaction. Intellectually, you know there's no danger, but your brain tells you there's danger because you're in a closed space with people who aren't part of your tribe. So what this means for all of us is how can you get um, your you and your employees in close physical proximity with um, your uh, existing and potential customers and create a tribe of like-minded people. And that's exactly what Haggerty did. And they did that by going to the classic car shows that their fa- that the fans of classic cars already went to. And then they created environments where people could get in close physical proximity with them. Educational seminars, for example, providing different things that are valuable. They have a valuation report. How much is my car worth? And because they have so much data on how much they're insuring these various classic cars for, they probably have the best database in the world on classic car valuations. And so people naturally want to find out what is my classic car worth, and they go to Haggerty to learn this. And then all of a sudden, they're in close physical proximity with people from Haggerty, as well as creating ways for people to get in physical proximity with one another so that people are becoming geeky fans as a result of being a part of Haggerty. So this is really, really powerful stuff. But there's one more thing around neuroscientist science that Haggerty does that's really interesting and that is really powerful for anybody listening into this. And in fact, we're doing this right now, this new idea. This idea also comes from neuroscience and it's called mirror neurons. Mirror neurons are the part of our brains that fire when we see somebody do something as if we're doing it ourselves, which I'm going to demonstrate. I've got a lemon in one hand and a slice of lemon in my other hand. Now, if I take a bite of this lemon, um, biting into a lemon is, wow, it's super powerful, right? My eyes close and water a little bit. My mouth puckers up and my saliva glands are doing their thing. And, and I mean, it's really powerful to taste a lemon. My brain is firing. But just by watching that, and look at you take a sip of water, Seth. Um, just by watching me do that, or even if you're, if you're only listening to the audio, hearing me do that, you probably, your mirror neurons are firing, and I bet you're tasting a bit of lemon. You got a little lemon on the tongue there, Seth? I do, I do. I, I, saw, you like take a a si- I saw you go yes. for that sip of water. Um, so here's how you can use this to build fans, which is one thing that Haggerty does and what we're doing right now. If you crop your videos as if we're in personal space, a personal space is inside of four feet, you look directly at the camera, you have a conversation with people on the other end of the camera and they're watching you. Um, This is really powerful because intellectually, I know I'm not in the same room as you, Seth, but my brain through mirror neurons says that you and I are actually together in close physical proximity and we are building a strong emotional connection right now just by being together. And everybody who's watching us is also building that strong connection. So that's why Haggerty's YouTube channel with over a million subscribers is such a powerful way to build fans because people in a virtual way 
feel as though they're being in proximity with, with uh, the folks from Haggerty. And every one of us can do that. It doesn't even have to be video. It could be photographs as well. The humble selfie, which people dismiss as frivolous and for young people, is actually really powerful because our arm... My phone right here. Our arm yep. tends to be four feet or less, unless you're a really tall basketball player. Um, you're looking directly at the camera. Uh, you know, you're 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 talking to the person on the other side there, even though it's just still photo. Really, really powerful stuff, and it's rooted in neuroscience. Absolutely fascinating. So Haggerty did some amazing things really well. They identified who their target market was. They figured out where their target market hung out. Yep. They physically went to those places to be in proximity with them. They yep. offered them lead magnets that were valuable to them, that got them into their database and into their world. They offered them additional content to consume that educated them not just on their own product or service, the insurance, but I'm sure about maintaining the value of their car, yes. and what to clean the they car have with, and how tons to take care of, of it. Things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of that stuff. They have an, an amazing amount after of content. piggybacking on somebody else's hundred classic car shows. They created their own events, their own virtual place for their customers to hang out online on YouTube. They created their own bot driver's club. So even if you're an insurance company and you're not insuring classic cars that people might be passionate about, and maybe they don't obsess as much about their Toyota Prius as they do a 57 Chevy, but there are some elements of that that you could implement in your own business, right? Absolutely. And in the book, we, um, we talked about 10 different prescriptions. Uh, we've just gone through essentially only one of the main ones, which is the neuroscience aspects of physical proximity. Um, and a number of different elements that Haggerty does, but you know, we didn't focus on just now. Um, and so depending on your business, you can focus on some of those other things. But one of them that is overarching, that is really, really powerful for anybody to use, and is something that is easy to implement Im immediately for all of us, is the idea of passion. So passion is infectious. That's what we learned. Passion is infectious. When an organization is filled with people who are passionate about what they do, but here's something interesting, also passionate about the things that they do outside of work, that passion is infectious. That helps to drive fans. So Haggerty, um, they're an insurance company but they've showcased how passionate their employees are about classic cars, which are the things that they insure. Um, we've found that people who separate their work and life, um, so they have their LinkedIn is their work life, and they're always sort of focused on being the professional. And then they do other things around their, their, um, their private life. You know, they only do that. They do Instagram with their private life. Um, that doesn't work as well as saying, I want to showcase what I love, you know? And I, at the top of the show, I talked about how I've been to 75 Grateful Dead concerts and 804 live concerts in my life. And that's a, a fact that has very little to do with what I do for a living. You know, I write books, I give speeches, I, I, I do some coaching. Um, what does that have to do with the Grateful Dead? Well, there are so many people who love the fact that I'm passionate about the Grateful Dead, even if they don't like the Grateful Dead themselves. 
Let me give you an example of this. Dr. John Marashi is a dentist. He's a dentist in Southern California. He runs a dental practice. He has several other dentists who work for him. I think around 10 or 15 employees total. And he came to me. Um, we met at a conference that I was speaking at, a Tony Robbins conference. I speak at all of his business mastery events. And Dr. Marashi said to me, David, you know, it's so difficult for me to compete because there's tens of thousands of dentists in Southern California. We all have the same thing. You know, we have a cookie cutter website that's built by the same company using the same template. We all have pictures of us in our white coat with our degrees in the background. We all have pictures of dirty teeth turning into um, to clean teeth. What can I do? And I said, well, Dr. Marashi, what do you do when you're on your off time? And he goes, oh, my God, I love to skateboard. Wow. And okay. So, so I said, well, Dr. Marashi, let's celebrate the fact that you love to skateboard. So um, he now, um, this was about two years ago, he now skateboards from one examination room to the other in his office. Um, on the walls, he took down his art and actually put up skateboards. They're in, they have little racks, yep. so he's got skateboards on the wall. Um, his, uh, on his website, he's got pictures of him skateboarding. And he's got an Instagram. Last time I checked, he had over 14,000 followers on his Instagram, where he does have the, the I think it's the law that the, AMA, uh, the American Dental Association, ADA, says you have to have the dirty teeth turning into clean <laughs> teeth pictures. So he's got a few of those. But he's also got a whole lot of pictures of him um, skateboarding. So now he's not a dentist in Southern California competing with 10,000 other dentists. He's the skateboarding dentist. Yep. People are drawn to that passion, even if they're not skateboarding. No, just the fact that he's fun and they're, different. They're drawn to that passion. He told me, he, he, he called me out of the blue about two months ago and said, David, I just have to tell you that um, because of this single idea of just showcasing what I'm passionate about, um, my business grew by 30% in the last year that I can attribute directly all of that 30% of growth to this simple idea of showing what I'm passionate about because I ask people how they found me. And when they cite Instagram, um, I know that that means that they found me as the skateboarding dentist. And he believes actually as much as 50% of his new business has come through this because he says that, um, he knows that he has a number of, of, of people who come to him to ref through referrals. But when they say they were referred, what they don't say is that I was referred and then I went to your site and then I saw you the skateboarding dentist and then I decided to reach out. Yep. Um, so this is something we can all do. I celebrate. I'm a fan of the Grateful Dead. Um, Dr. Marashi celebrates that he's a fan of skateboarding. All of us in our business can celebrate what we are a fan of because passion is infectious. Fantastic. That's where we'll wrap up. Passion is infectious. Become a passionate fan of Fanocracy. Go get the book, Fanocracy by David Meerman Scott. Implement it in your business and watch it grow by even more than 30%. David Meerman Scott, thank you so much for joining us. Where is the best place you want them to go get the book? Thanks, Seth. I appreciate that. Anywhere that you buy books is totally cool with me. Um, if you're an audiobook person, and I know many people who listen to podcasts are, my daughter, Reiko, and I both read um, the book. So uh, that makes it exciting. It's on Audible and other places. Um, I've also got a website at www.fanocracy.com where you can get some of the information we've just talked about, some graphics, some videos, and so on. Awesome. Go to fanocracy.com, get a copy of the book, Get more customers, get more fans. David, thanks again for joining us. Thanks, Seth. I appreciate it. And by the way, I am a fan of Seth.
Ah, well, you know we're fans of you. Thank you so much. (laughs) Do you need money to fund your idea, product, or service? Are you ready to take your business to the next level but need capital to get it done? Kevin Harrington has heard more than 50,000 pitches and knows how to help you make the perfect pitch to get the funding for your entrepreneurial dream. He's distilled the process down in his perfect pitch cheat sheet, and it's yours for free. Just text PITCH to him right now at 727-888-2100. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 right now and claim your free perfect pitch cheat sheet. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 to start funding your dream today. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.